Okay, so here we go. Hopefully uh, people can hear this on whoever listens to this now or 300 years in the future if this is ever found. Right. Um, probably won't be, but in case it is. Um, so we'll go start with a uh, uh, prayer, um, doing Our Father. Uh, just to have a remind reminder that the uh, Eternal Father always remembers every one of his children and always thinks of them and is constantly in his mind. So, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. So, um, I'm not going to make this talk about uh, does purgatory exist or not, uh, or how long is purgatory, or really, or am I going to purgatory, or am I going directly to heaven, or whatever, because, uh, you know, th- those are separate topics, and not really what I wanted to focus on, those things, um, I mean, um, so, uh, but I'm going to start with actually uh, the gospel for today, um, once I load it up here. Okay. All right, so it's Luke chapter 15. The tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to Jesus, but the Pharisees and scribes began to complain, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus addressed this parable to them. What man among you have a hundred sheep, and losing one of them would not leave the ninety-nine in the desert and go after the lost one until he finds it? And when he does find it, he sets it on his shoulder with great joy, and upon his arrival, he calls together his friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in just the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous people who have no need of repentance. Or what woman, having ten coins and losing one, would not light a lamp and sweep the house, searching carefully until she finds it? And when she does find it, she calls together her friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, because I found that coin I've lost. In just the same way, I tell you, there will be more rejoicing among the angels over one sinner who repents. So, the reason why I chose that uh, story to start out with was the idea of wanting to bring people back to, to Christ and the importance of prayer and how actually purgatory is that final journey for most of us. Because, um, uh, as the Catechism states, every sin, even venial sin, entails an unhealthy attachment to creatures which must be purified either here on earth or after death in a state called purgatory. And so we know that, you know, with original sin and the fall of humanity uh, and our propensity to sin that we're weakened by it, that even after we say sorry for something, that it still causes a wound. So we could use the example, for instance, that uh, for, you know, if, if in a, a marriage or something, one of the spouses does something that hurt the other person, you know, we wouldn't say, oh, it was just enough that we said, oh, sorry, I did that, right? Usually, be nice for the spouse to do something nice for them. Maybe, you know, it's 
get them a, a small token of affection like flowers or something or maybe make them a nice dinner or whatever it is uh, to kind of make up for that because we know that even though we've said sorry that there's a wound and there's hurt still between us in that relationship and so the same thing with God of course and in, catech- in, uh, in uh, point 958 of the catechism says our prayer for them is for the souls in purgatory is not only is capable not only helping them but also making their intercession for us effective so it's a reminder even though there isn't a specific statement by the church that says that the souls in purgatory can pray for us per se but we do know that they're uh, going to be saved, that they'll be in heaven, and that they can do things for us. Maybe maybe not directly in purgatory, who knows, but at some point, you know. Um, and we know what one, um, purgatory is the mercy of God revealing our woundedness of sin. And we know that we need to be healed. And Jesus talks about it. He came, uh, you know, the sick are in need of a physician. And so... Uh, purgatory is kind of like that final hospital. It's kind of like the rehab center, right? So that would be a good uh, image for you. We all need to do rehab after we got sick or injured. We need to recover and regain our strength. So purgatory is that final rehab, okay? And we're going through that physical therapy and stuff like that that needs to get us to the strength that we're called to be. And we can help that with our prayer and fasting and almsgiving and other small sacrifices that we do that we freely give to the other because as a members of the body of Christ we're all united so I like the story uh, that they have of the uh, paralytic whose friends bring him to Jesus right so that guy would never have gotten to Jesus without the friends and it was Jesus who said because he saw the faith of the friends who brought him he healed the man of his sins right and so we also need to bring help bring our friends closer to Christ including those ones uh, in purgatory and um, there is a um, we know that that's an important spiritual work of mercy to pray for the living and the dead is a spiritual work of mercy so uh, it's an important thing that we uh, can uh, participate in and so there was uh, one time a, a, a mystic who had a revelation from a soul in purgatory said I know when you pray for me and is the same with all the other souls here in purgatory very few of us here get any prayers the majority of us are totally abandoned and no thought of prayers offered for us from those on earth and part of that problem is is that we've had a huge shift uh, even in Catholic circles to think that our loved ones when they die they're directly in heaven like they're already there right and that's not the norm because most of us have some detachment even at the end of life to things right we're not fully detached and so to assume our fit loved ones in heaven already is kind of a false piety it's like oh yeah they're a saint we should canonize them now right no probably not they might be really good holy people but that doesn't mean that they don't have some final things they have to let go of and heal right only pure of heart can see god and enter heaven nothing with the stain of sin can enter so you have to have that purification um and so if we you know in fact uh there's been saints that have had family members have come back to him and said hey why aren't you praying for me <laughs> right you know and i'll get into some of these examples um so the importance of our prayers so this is saint gertrude who had um some visions and i'll talk to you about 
her prayer that Jesus kind of gave her for souls in purgatory. So she said, uh, she, uh, upon learning of a death of a, of a friend's relative who was greatly troubled because the friend uh, was worried about the relative's state of their soul. They weren't sure if they, you know, had been in, made it to heaven or in hell. And so she uh, talked to uh, Christ in one of her mystical visions, Lord, will thou not be appropriated by my prayers and pardon this man? And Christ said, I would, I would, for the love of you, have pity not only on this soul, but on a million others. Will thou then that I pardon him all his sins, and that I deliver him from every sort of penalty? And the saint said, perhaps, this may not be in conformity, though, with your justice. And he said, it would not be inconsistent with them. If you were to ask me for it with confidence, for my divine light, piercing into the future, made known to me that you would offer this prayer for him. Therefore, I place good dispositions in his heart to prepare him for the enjoyment of the fruits of your charity. So Christ already saw her desire in the future and applied that to him at the time of death. And the, we have to think the same thing about that, right? Doesn't the father see the death of his son at one point in time and imply it to all people in all times, right? Yeah. So the application of Christ's sacrifice on the cross goes all the way back to Adam and Eve, you know, eons ago, whenever that happened, right? Yeah. And so there's no time for God. He can see all these things. He can. You could pray for a loved one who died 30 years ago and ask for the grace of final conversion for that person. Um, and you, because you'll never know. I mean, Padre Pio, who is a great mystic, said you'll be surprised by the people you find in heaven, right? And even Christ talked about this, right? Christ said, there are tax collectors and prostitutes and people entering the kingdom of heaven before these Pharisees, right? So he talked about this shocking idea that these crazy sinners and all these bad people are going to be up in heaven, right? You know? And he talked about people from the south and west and east and north and, you know, the, uh, the queen... Uh, of Shiva who came to visit Solomon are all going to be reclining with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the at the you know at the kingdom, and so Christ can see our intentions and apply it at any time, any of our prayers. There's no time limit on when prayers can be applied. Okay, and so um, you know these for her words. Uh, she said such consoling words for by foresight of our future prayers God deigns to grant good disposition to the dying sinner that ensures the salvation of soul then in consideration of our present prayers he consents to deliver the soul from every sort of penalty to withdraw it from the expiatory flames of purgatory so I mean it's that's kind of a really consoling thing that we can serve people at any time if we have true disposition in our heart for them um, and so um, this is a, a vision that St. Faustina, who uh, is the mystic who uh, helped give us the devotion to the Divine Mercy, um, talked about one night when she saw her guardian angel, and she says, ordered me to follow him. In a moment I was in a misty place full of fire, which there was a great crowd of suffering souls. They were praying fervently, but to no avail for themselves. Only we can come to their aid. The flames which were burning them did not touch me at all. My guardian angel did not leave me for an instant. I asked these souls what their greatest suffering was. And they answered me in one voice that their greatest torment was longing for God. So, 
I saw Our Lady visiting the souls in purgatory. The souls call her the star of the sea. She brings them refreshment. I wanted to talk with some of them, but my guardian angel beckoned me to leave. We went out of that prison of suffering, and then I heard an interior voice which said, My mercy does not want this, but my justice demands it. Since that time, I am closer in communion with the suffering souls. So by her being able to see that and witnessing that, she really had a strong desire now to pray and do things for those souls to help bring them to God sooner. You know, and one time, on another time, she relates that Christ told her, Enter into purgatory often because they need you there. Right? And we can see that St. Faustina is almost like a physician, a healthcare provider, right? She's needed there, right? Like we're needed in the healthcare setting to help take care of the sick. You know, this rehab hospital, you know, waiting for heaven is waiting for us to come in and bring our treatment and our medicine for these people, right? And, um, you know, um, she talked about, oh my Jesus, I understand this meaning of these words you're speaking to me, but first let me enter the treasury of your mercy. So she knew she had to go to Christ and bring his mercy for these souls, ultimately. And her, one of her, the other big things she taught was about how Christ told uh, that a really special time for praying for souls was 3 p.m. Because we know that's when Christ's final breath on the cross. And he says, for at that moment, mercy was opened wide on every soul. So at that moment, the, the mercy of Christ, his pierced heart, opens on every soul. And so that's uh, a time that Christ specifically gives people to think about. So, you know, if you have a time on Friday at 3 p.m., you can just say a quick prayer like, Jesus, please have mercy on all the souls in purgatory. Have mercy on souls dying at this hour. Right? Um, and then um, Padre Prio I talked about, so he had a lot of interactions with uh, souls in purgatory. And he relays this uh, interesting story. He said, One night I was alone in the choir and saw a friar cleaning the altar at late at night. I asked him to go to bed since it was late. He said, I'm a friar like you. I did hear my novician and when assigned to take care of the altar. And I passed many times in front of the tabernacle without making the proper reverence. So he forgot to genuflect in front of the tabernacle. So for this and I'm in purgatory and the Lord sent me to you. You decide how much longer I have to suffer in those flames. And Padre Pio said, I told him the Mass in the morning I would say I would offer to him. And he said, that was cruel and disappeared. And the reason he said that was like, why aren't you doing something for me right away? Right? And so he said, so Padre Pio said, I still have a wound in my heart. I could have sent him immediately to paradise. Instead, he had to stay one more night in the flames of purgatory. And so this is... This earnest desire, not that, you know, we have to put down everything for the souls in purgatory, but we could think about, like, you know, we shouldn't just, like, randomly delay. We could think about ways we can offer stuff for the souls right now who need it, right? Like, we could even offer this prayer right now for souls in purgatory, right? Yeah. Uh, and a lot of mystics actually say that the souls can see us when we're praying for them, right? And then you can ask them, like, pray for me, right? They can see that and hear that. So... Um, and so, um, St. Catherine of Genoa, who also had a lot of visions too, talked about actually some of the happiness, because sometimes we can get down like, oh my gosh, it seems so negative and bad, right? And we shouldn't be afraid of purgatory, right? Those souls are going to heaven ultimately for all eternity. So one way or another, we have to suffer. I mean, even the most perfect souls 
on earth, Christ and Mary suffered the most, right? You know, no one's sufferings will ever compare to what Christ went through, and then next to Christ's his mother. And they were perfect. They didn't sin, right? So we can't complain about us having to suffer because they didn't do anything wrong and still suffered, right? So, but she talked about, I believe no happiness can be found worthy to be compared to the soul in purgatory except the saints in paradise. And day by day, this happiness grows as God flows into these souls more and more as a hindrance to his entrance is consumed. So they don't talk about purgatory really as a place, but it's more of a state of the soul. Like you have this longing for God, you know him, you love him, but you're not with him fully because of those stains and so the idea is this longing helps you to detach yourself from the stains and rust and chains that hold you back from full communion with him okay and so um so we have to have kind of a happy outlook for the soul it's not like oh my gosh this is so bad or oh no what if i go to purgatory it's going to be the end of me right very few people get over that final hump of perfect love of christ so most of us are bound for there okay uh and then there was another um mystic in france who had a vision of a, a nun in her no, uh, convent who died before who came back and talked to her about purgatory and the, and stuff and she said to this uh, sister when i'm released you'll see that i will do far more for you than you have ever done for me i already pray for you much and so we can see you know as i talked about this in the past this idea that our particular judgment we, satan which means the accuser is going to bring all our sins forward to god and it's not going to look good right even the smallest sin where we had that slight little judgment of someone in our brain or that brief passing words that we sometimes don't even think about will be brought forth and we're like ooh, okay but what if you had you know 10 50 100 500 souls in heaven who came forward and said but she prayed for me or she did that for me or she offered her test for me you know god's gonna listen to that more than satan accusations right you know when you have uh the defense of the saints on your side his his arguments are going to crumble away right okay and so we have to remember um, how much people remember that help for us, right? Um, and so, um, so there's different ways we can pray for and offer things for the dead. So the, one of the biggest things is offering masses, okay? Um, and so you can go to any, your, any parish you want, and you can ask for a mass to be said for a loved one who's died, and particularly powerful if you choose, like, say, the day they died or their birthday or something like that right i mean that's a very powerful way to offer something many souls have revealed to the saints how that has really greatly lessened their punishment or the severity of their time in there and so um ma offering mass is a big thing and there's plenty of masses that just go without really a great intention or the the parish will just choose the intention oh we'll pray for the parish which you know is good and yeah. no grace goes unwasted but to us, for us to have a particular intention for that mass, that's a powerful thing, you know. Um, or if you go to a mass and you say, "I'm going to offer my participation in the mass for this person," even if the intention is for someone else. So, I actually, when I go to communion, sometimes when I receive the cup, I actually offer that for a soul that I'm praying for that day, you know, right? Because you don't have to receive the cup, right? So. 
you know, why not offer that extra, that reception? God's going to find that worthy if you do it with a sincere heart, right? Um, so there's praying for that. Um, you can pray novenas, of course, for uh, the holy souls. There's um, St. Alphonsus La Glory has a novena for All Souls Day. Um, actually, right now, um, for people, you can, if you visit a cemetery November 1st to the 8th, and you pray for souls there, and then fulfill the other requirements of, uh, of the indulgence, then you can earn, get, get a plenary indulgence during this time of year if you go to a, a cemetery and pray for the dead. Okay? Uh, and then there's, uh, like, the eternal rest prayer that's been given. It's like, eternal rest grant to them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May the souls of the faithful depart through the mercy of God. Rest in peace. Amen. So um, that's a typical blessing that can be said for souls. Uh, and then in particular, um, St. Gertrude gave a uh, prayer... Um, that supposedly was said to release a thousand souls. I don't want to make any claims because St. Gertrude's a saint and it's all about how you pray with fervor because, you know, if you don't have prayer with fervor, it's worthless, right? It's like a noiseless gong Jesus said when you say a word. So I don't want to make any guarantees, but obviously if Jesus gave her this prayer, it says, Eternal Father, I offer thee the most precious blood of your divine Son, Jesus, in union with the Masses said throughout the world today for all the holy souls in purgatory, for sinners everywhere, for sinners in the universal church, those in my own home and within my family. Amen. So, you know, if you pray this prayer with some fervor, I mean, it has to offer some goodness. I don't know if it's going to get a thousand souls into heaven, but, you know. Um... And then there's just other ways you can do plenary indulgences for souls in purgatory as well. Um, they can do any time of year, whether it's reading scripture for 30 minutes really faithfully, doing stations of the cross, um, uh, doing uh, uh, adoration for uh, 30 minutes um, is another uh, effective way as well. Or saying a rosary as a community or a group is another effective way. Um, so all those things um, can be offered for soul, you know, to help them. And um, ultimately, this also is a purifying thing. Even though we're, like, giving it for other people, it purifies us because it helps us to be detached. Whenever we're doing a spiritual corporal work of mercy, we're actually doing atonement for our own sins, right? Uh, and we're growing in love for God and for our neighbor. And so, as Christ said, love covers a multitude of sins, right? You know? And so, um, when we're performing these acts of love, then God's going to always reward us for that great love, you know? Um, and, you know, there's saints who have decided they wanted to suffer long periods of time for the sake of some souls that they knew, some relatives in purgatory, to save souls from, you know, going to hell, potentially. Um, and um, I think that's a consoling thing, you know, because we could probably think about loved ones who are like, you know, I know so-and-so is not really close to God, and I've talked to them, but they really haven't been open you know, to what I've talked to them about. They just don't agree or they want to, you know. And we can worry about them. Like, okay, God, what's going to happen to my loved one? Because, you know, we'd all love to see all our loved ones and with us for all eternity, right? We're, we're very close to them. Uh, and I think that's good consolation. Uh, you know, St. Faustina talked about 
but Christ coming at least three times intimately to people's hearts and to souls to help bring them back to himself. And, you know, us praying for a unique graces at someone's end of their life, you know, even, even people who, you know, we think, oh, how can that person ever, you know, be saved? They were doing something real evil right at the end of their life. There's no way, and, and then they die. They must not be in heaven, right? If we really honestly, earnestly pray for a special grace from God, you'll be surprised who you mean in heaven that you weren't sure about, right? Right? And so we need to we need to think about everyone, all the all these people. Because even Jesus said the darkest souls with the worst greatest of the sins that we could ever think of are the ones who have the greatest right to his mercy. And God's not gonna withhold, you know, a gracious gift that we offer to these people. Um, and so we have to pray for those people, you know, especially pray for people near death or people already who have died. Don't just assume they're in heaven, right? You know, if we're if we're in purgatory, I think we want our loved ones to pray for us, right? Like, please pray for me and be nice, you know, right? Don't forget us, right? Um, and so, uh, in that way, we can participate as healthcare providers for these souls, that we can bring the fruits of Christ's mercy to help heal them, to bring them closer to God sooner, which is what we all desire, right? So, all right, so we'll finish off with a prayer to Blessed Mother. Um, dear Mother, we thank you for the gift of enlightenment about loving the souls in purgatory, and also your great love for them, uh, that you constantly are there for them, thinking of them and trying to bring them closer to their son. Help us to obtain the graces this day, to have a fervent love for all souls, especially those near death or in purgatory, so that they may be with the Father, so, uh, eternally and glorifying his name. Amen. Amen.